No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see where Hezekiah dies and his son Manasseh reigns. He's a very wicked king who seduces Judah into idolatry. The line of unavoidable judgment is crossed. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in 2 Kings chapter 20 on Simply the Bible. How is it that a very good father can have a very wicked son? This is, no doubt, a great mystery. There's probably no greater contrast between a father and son than Hezekiah and Manasseh. Hezekiah was head and shoulders above all the kings of Judah in his righteousness, and his son Manasseh would surpass all the kings of Judah in his wickedness. As I said, Hezekiah was a very good king who had accomplished much and brought many spiritual reforms in Judah. We continue in 2 Kings 20.20. Now the rest of the acts of Hezekiah, all his might and how he made a pool and a tunnel and brought water into the city, are they not written in the books of the chronicles of the kings of Judah? So Hezekiah rested with his fathers. Then Manasseh, his son, reigned in his place. When Hezekiah heard that the Assyrians were invading Judah, he dug a tunnel from the spring of Gihon to the pool of Siloam inside the city. This cut off the water supply to the Assyrians and supplied Jerusalem with an ample water supply. They dug a 1,777-foot tunnel through solid rock 30 feet underground. Now, last January, my wife Cindy and I were able to walk through this tunnel that Hezekiah had built while we were visiting Jerusalem. Chapter 21, Manasseh was 12 years old when he became king, and he reigned 55 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Hephzibah, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord according to the abominations of the nations which the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. Manasseh was the wickedest king, but he had the longest reign of any of the kings of Judah. He did the same evil practices that the Canaanites had done in the land, which was the reason God had expelled them from the land. For Manasseh rebuilt the high places which Hezekiah his father had destroyed. He raised up altars for Baal and made a wooden image as Ahab king of Israel had done. And he worshipped all the hosts of heaven and served them. He also built altars in the house of the Lord of which the Lord had said, In Jerusalem I will put my name. And he built altars for all the hosts of heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord. Also, he made his son pass through the fire, practiced soothsaying, used witchcraft, and consulted spiritists and mediums. He did much evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. Hezekiah was one of the only kings of Judah to tear down the high places where the people followed the pagan rituals in offering sacrifices. But Manasseh rebuilt them. Also, following in the footsteps of King Ahab of Israel, he built altars for Baal. In fact, Manasseh has been called the Ahab of Judah. 
Manasseh also worshipped the starry host. The belief that the movement of the stars controls human behavior and fortune is known as astrology. Through horoscopes, people worship the starry host today, whether or not they realize it. This is yet another form of idolatry, people worshiping created things rather than the creator. Manasseh went even further in wickedness by building idolatrous altars in the temple courts. He made his son pass through the fire. This was the detestable human sacrifice where the metallic image of Molech was heated until it was red hot and then a baby was placed in it as an offering. It was a horrible, sadistic, and satanic form of idolatrous worship. Manasseh also practiced witchcraft and consulted with mediums. Usually, this was an attempt to contact the dead. Both of these practices are condemned in Scripture. In all these things, Manasseh provoked the Lord to anger. Now, does that really make any sense? I mean, the Lord created us. He holds our breath in His hand. He is sovereign over everything that happens to us, both good and bad. And ultimately, He controls our eternal destiny. Now, why would anyone want to provoke Him to anger? Manasseh even set a carved image of Asherah that he had made in the house of which the Lord had said to David and to Solomon his son, In this house and in Jerusalem which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel, I will put my name forever, and I will not make the feet of Israel wander any more from the land which I gave their fathers, only if they are careful to do according to all that I have commanded them and according to all the law which my servant Moses commanded them. Manasseh made this image of Asherah, the multi-breasted Canaanite goddess that was really pornographic and designed to arouse sensual desires. Imagine this, he placed this in the temple of God. Now, this is not too far removed from what we see today, the pandemic problem of pornography, which involves images that arouse sensual desires and is really a form of idolatry, worshiping created things rather than the creator. Now, the tragedy was that the Jews could have remained forever in the land of milk and honey, enjoying God's gracious blessings and privileges if only they would have kept God's covenant and obeyed his laws. But they paid no attention, and Manasseh seduced them to do more evil than the nations whom the Lord had destroyed before the children of Israel. Manasseh seduced them brought them into wickedness. This is the seduction of spiritual adultery. And you know, this actually carries over into the New Testament because Jesus, writing to the church of Thyatira, said, I have a few things against you because you allow that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. The Lord was concerned about a problem in the church where a woman was seducing the Lord's people into sexual immorality and really idolatry. And that practice continues today as immorality is allowed to go unchecked in the church and people are not worshiping God by keeping his commandments. They are engaged in sexual sin. 
And the Lord spoke to his servants, the prophets, saying, Because Manasseh, king of Judah, has done these abominations, he has acted more wickedly than all the Amorites who were before him, and also has made Judah sin with his idols. Therefore, thus says the Lord God of Israel, Behold, I am bringing such calamity upon Jerusalem and Judah, that whoever hears of it, both his ears will tingle, and I will stretch over Jerusalem the measuring line of Samaria and the plummet of the house of Ahab. I will wipe Jerusalem as one wipes a dish, wiping it and turning it upside down. So I will forsake the remnant of my inheritance and deliver them into the hand of their enemies, and they shall become victims of plunder to all their enemies, because they have done evil in my sight and have provoked me to anger since the day their fathers came out of Egypt, even to this day. Now God sent his prophets to warn them, to turn them from their sins, but they didn't listen to them. And therefore there would be inevitable judgment. God said, I'm going to cause the ears of those who hear it to tingle when I say what I'm going to do. And just as I measured out Samaria, the northern kingdom of Israel, for destruction, I'm going to use the same measurement for Judah and bring them into captivity as well. And as a person would wash a dish and then wipe it out, turn it upside down, God says, I'm going to wipe out the Jews from their land and deliver them into the hand of their enemies. Moreover, Manasseh shed very much innocent blood till he had filled Jerusalem from one end to another besides his sin by which he made Judah sin in doing evil in the sight of the Lord. Now in the Hall of Faith in Hebrews chapter 11, we read of some who were persecuted for their faith. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. According to the Babylonian Talmud and the Jerusalem Talmud, the official Jewish commentaries on the Old Testament, King Manasseh gave the order for the prophet Isaiah to be sawn in two. No doubt he did not want to hear Isaiah's rebuke. Verse 16 tells us that he shed very much innocent blood from one end of Jerusalem to the other, presumably of those who opposed his rebellion against the Lord. Now the rest of the acts of Manasseh, all that he did and the sin that he committed, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Judah? The amazing thing is, is that we are told in 2 Chronicles chapter 33 that God allowed the Assyrian king to put a hook in Manasseh's jaw, so to speak, and bring him into Babylon, which was at that time controlled by the Assyrians. But while in Babylon and under that affliction, we're told that he implored the Lord as God and humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers. And he prayed to him and God heard his prayer and brought him back to Jerusalem into his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord was God. Talk about taking a long time to figure that one out. What's interesting is that God waited for Manasseh and then made him a trophy of his grace. You know, the Lord is slow to anger. The Bible says in 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord isn't really being slow about keeping his promises as some people think, but rather he is patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to come to repentance. And there is no greater example of 
God's patience in waiting for a wicked person to turn around than in the case of Manasseh. Manasseh then spent his remaining days seeking to right his wrongs. He took away the foreign gods and altars from the temple. He repaired the altar of the Lord and commanded the people to serve the Lord. But the damage had been done to the nation. Manasseh and the people of Judah had gone too far and God would not relent from his sentence of judgment against Judah. So Manasseh rested with his fathers and was buried in the garden of his own house in the garden of Uzzah and his son Ammon reigned in his place. There is a line known only to God and when that line is crossed, judgment is inevitable. Manasseh and all Judah had crossed that line. Consequently, the Babylonians would conquer Judah and break down the wall of Jerusalem and destroy the temple. Now, it wouldn't happen for at least 50 years after Manasseh's death, but it was inescapable. The verdict was made. The sentence was given. There was no turning back. Tragically, many people will face such an inescapable judgment who have provoked the Lord to anger with their disobedience and unbelief and have never repented of their sins. One day they will die and their destiny will be sealed. Therefore today, if we hear his voice, let us not harden our hearts, but turn from our sins to the Lord Jesus Christ, believing in him so that we might be granted repentance and forgiveness from our sins and an eternal heavenly kingdom. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to other episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. Next time, we'll see where Manasseh's son Amon reigns and is a wicked king. His son Josiah reigns and does what is right like King David. It's a wonderful exploration in the way of revival. We hope you'll join us as we continue in 2 Kings on Simply the Bible. Simply the Bible